I believe inspiring people to be the person they aspire to be by doing the things they aspire to do. This podcast is an additional platform to help me do just that. I know a lot, I've done a lot, and I do a lot. By sharing my experience with you all, be the highlight of my day. I will also have family, friends, and colleagues share their knowledge and experiences with me. You think you know me, but you don't know the half. Welcome to Vail's World. It's the team. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Lavelle D. Munger, your host for Vail's World. And I would like to thank everybody for tuning in. It's, um, it's a wonderful feeling to have you all here. Y'all already know y'all can reach me on all my social media platforms at Vales World Podcast. And if you want to send an email, hit up Vales World Podcast at ldmonger.com. And today we have a nice show. This one was actually uh, it was actually created based off a conversation that I had with my dad um, over the last few days. So Stay tuned for that at the top of the show. But right now, we're going to start with the good read. And today's good read is the autobiography of Malcolm X by Malcolm X, as told by Alex Haley. Man, anyone that knows me knows that Malcolm X is definitely one of my my idols. And on so many different levels. And even when I had my locks. Everyone used to say, oh, man, you look like Malcolm X. You like Malcolm X with dreads and things of that nature. And for those that really know me, it's more than just the physical appearance. It was the attitude. It was the, the, the hidden brilliance. It was the resilience, the perseverance, the journey uh, to get to that point. All of that stuff was things that people admired about me and seeing um those things within Malcolm X. Man, this was originally published in 1964. The book is good, like 500 some pages, it's just small, so it's a, it's a packet and if if you all seen the movie, man, we all know like 2-hour movies wasn't a a real big thing in the past. Still not really a real big thing right now. Like two hours, wow. Uh, but it was a, a wonderful movie. And a lot of the scenes, a lot of information was actually provided um, from this book. The author, Alex Haley, died in 92. And he just did an amazing job. A wonderful job. So if anyone didn't know this the book was actually created after Alex was conducting interviews with Malcolm X for Playboy magazine. And that's how like he turned that into his first book, <laughs> which was released in 1965. So it's it's wonderful, man, how you able to take a conversation from the man himself and, and create one of the most memorable books that led to one of the most memorable films of all times. And then after that, Alex create, you know, created The Roots in 1976, which was also you know, dope, although it was fictionized, but it just gave us a reality, uh, a visual of the things that we were reading in some of our, our textbooks as it pertains to slavery. 
<sighs> yeah, man. Uh, so if anyone is interested in black history, if anyone is interested in black leaders, the autobiography by of Malcolm X by Malcolm X, as told by Alex Haley, is definitely a must read. Yeah. So what's popping in Vail's world? It's been a very interesting couple of days. I'm back busy with RTW, of course. It's our busy season. We have weddings. We have graduation pictures. We have graduation events. We have birthday. It's so much stuff going on. Uh, so we also in the process of hiring um, a photographer and videographer in the near future, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, to assist with the workload that we have because it's only getting busier from here. And we have to keep up with the growth. We recently hired an admin assistant and she's been great. Thank you for saving our life. Um, so it's good, man. Expansion is real. Being a small business owner, knowing when to expand is always a hesitant type of feel because like when you're in a service business, at any day something can can alter. But when you put your, your chips on you, you have to do what you got to do. So that's great. I went to visit St. Louis. I haven't been to St. Louis since November. Typically go to St. Louis when the seasons change just to help my grandmother around the house, make sure everything good. Um, this one, you know, get a couple photo shoots while I'm there to make some money and then head back. But when I'm there, I'm always busy. It's like every hour is is booked. My body actually crashed Friday uh, because I was just so busy. Got in Wednesday night, um, ate some White Castles because there's no White Castles in Orlando. But now there's a White Castles in Orlando. They actually opened when I was in St. Louis. So that was hilarious. I, I did a great job with not eating as much as I used to. I used, I usually gain like five pounds within three days just based off eating because I feel like I got to eat emos. I got to eat some Chinaman. I got to eat all this other stuff, man. And um, it used to hit. So this time I was I, I was sticking to my, my regular eating routine and whatever was able to fit within that routine was cool. And whatever didn't, that was cool as well. So that was good. Um, I had... Met up with my big brother, my mentor uh, from the 100 Black Men, and then I was able to connect with my bros within that visit. Nice little meeting, exchange a nice conversation, got some big plans coming. I'm I'm very involved in 100 Black Men in St. Louis, even from a distance. So whenever I receive a phone call saying they need some assistance um, in whatever skill set and or just manpower, I do my best to be there. And that was a great meeting. Looking forward to November. It's going to be a very interesting November, I tell you that. And the next day we had went to brunch before I left. And we also celebrated some of the graduates from the Collegiate 100 of the 100 Black Men of Metropolitan St. Louis Incorporated. And one of the individuals just happened to be my Neo as well. So it was great seeing them being recognized. Um, for the work they've done in the collegiate as they transition to the immersion and then the 100 black men. We try to keep individuals in the fold and around, present and doing. And this is the best way to do it. So I snuck into a board meeting <laughs> and um, was able to get a lot of insight of what where the organization is and the direction the organization wants to go. 
Oh, during my visit, I also, I went to Chicago. So I, I snuck up to Chicago uh, to meet up with some folks and then came back down. And it was also like a break too, just a mental break. Again, when I'm in St. Louis, I'd just be too busy. Um, but I ended up going to UMSU, which is the university I graduated from. I got my bachelor's in anthropology. And it was a lunching for the newly um, the new chancellor. So the inauguration was this week. Everything was virtual and they had a luncheon for everyone to visit her in the office. And I was invited by my dog, uh, Kurt. He was the vice provost when I was there. And I believe he's the vice provost, uh, vice VP. Let's see what my dog Kurt do, man. They done change, change my dog. He's the vice chancellor for alumni engagement. And um, we've been connecting on Facebook for a while. We took a lot of trip, road trips to Jefferson City back in my undergrad days um, to advocate for the university as it pertains to allocating funds within the UM system. So we did get the money, but once the money got within the system, the system was able to allocate the funds where they see fit, which was interesting when you have a board that is filled with Mizzou alum. <laughs> so that's a still a battle that we have going on. I was able to meet with everyone that I needed to meet with. And it, it was beautiful being able to feel connected, having the older people there uh, when I was there, being able to tell my story to the newer people and just see that energy being transferred. It was so much love. I appreciate it. I'm so proud. Uh, man. It's going to be wonderful, man. Make some great connections, plan on using those and see where, where those take me. Oh, man. Um, St. Louis has a black mayor. It's Sheriff Jones. So that's great. And we also have Adam, who is the new treasurer. And he graduated from the University of Missouri, St. Louis as well. And it's, it's great seeing all this dope stuff happen. On my Facebook, um, I've done a great job of getting some of the negative things off my Facebook page and making it more positive and inspirational and, and, and influential. Within, you know, make sure that the content that's on there is, is always something positive. So it's been great just seeing all these things. And it's been a wonderful week lad, you know, for, for St. Louis and for me personally with the people that I have in my network. Looking forward to that. Um, over the weekend, Mama Sita, she sells out on Gigi's birthday, RP Gigi. She launched a an apparel brand, and all the money is going towards the Mama Sita and Mamba uh, Foundation, which was a basketball program for, I, I don't, it says for at risk and all of that. But a lot of the people I've seen in there was like in Beverly Hills. So I just say, you know, talented, you know, teenage, you know, youth and youth, youth and teenage basketball players. I think that's the best way to 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 say it, honestly. Um, if y'all didn't know, Kobe did a lot of training with his daughter and her friends and had a basketball league, had a basketball team and all that money go towards that. And with that, I just want to transition um, to to trying to support the WNBA. We have a lot of back and forth that goes on as it pertains to the WNBA, uh, the lack of support, the lack of funding, 
the the pain gap. And the biggest things economic is just revenue. Um, the WNBA doesn't have enough teams to generate the revenue that an NBA has. Um, that no, no one really goes to the to the games, even before COVID. No one really watches the games. It's hard to really find out about a WNBA game. So there there's some things that need to be tweaked and fast. I've been looking, then I've been waiting for a WNBA hoodie to restock for months now. And then I can't buy a jersey because I don't know if they make the cuts for guys. And I asked on Twitter and she was like, nah, that's that's a women cut. So it's like, how can we support if they don't even make things for individuals like myself that want to support, but y'all don't have... Y'all don't even do the the simple thing of making unisex or or men jerseys. Like it's it's a lot. So whenever Nike get that together, let me know so I can buy my hoodie. I, you know, hoodies are pretty unisex. Can't really go wrong with that. And and one day, I, you know, I would love to buy a Sparks jersey. I would love to buy a Liberty jersey. And you know, some of these jerseys are actually nice. Like they are really nice. But I can't buy them because they are fit for women so that's going to be a very interesting conversation for for years to come it's great that the WNBA and NBA has a better partnership a working partnership and now it's figuring out how can you use some of those resources and 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 not even just talking about money but marketing uh the network's really think that's important I believe the nba is failing overall because they have all of their tv deals with the big cable networks and it's not broadcast on the local channels anymore that's where nfl is capitalizing on because you can watch a lot of the games on the local eight ten channels that you get uh without having cable with the nba and it seems like the wnba as well you can't see nothing on local broadcasting. You have to have cable, and a lot of us stream now. So even with W, I said WNBA, the NBA league pass and all of this stuff, you can't even watch a game that's local, <laughs> and you have to wait three days. But I can't watch the game because I don't have all of the the cable Fox channels and streaming and all of that stuff. So it's it's a headache, and I hope they fix that. And again, transfer a lot of that knowledge to the WNBA because we want to watch the WNBA. That you know, there's there's opportunity there to watch and support, especially with this new awareness. Uh, but continue to have the fight and a battle between NBA players to get paid more than WNBA players. I honestly would love to see the percentage that's allocated to the players. Um, any business owner know that payroll is usually the biggest expense. Like it's very rare that payroll isn't the biggest expense for any company. Um, so just seeing how how much of those those funds are actually allocated to those individuals, I think that's that's a great place to start. So if we're seeing an absurd number, NBA is getting seventy five. You no, know, NBA players get seventy percent of the revenue, and a WNBA gets 
allocated 30% of the revenue, then we can have an issue. But as it pertains to just numbers, physical numbers at hand of what we see, you know, it is what it is. All right, so off that hot topic, hot topic, black pride. So this was actually mentioned, my dad, my dad brought it up and we had a very interesting exchange of stories and how we view things from our perspective. And not necessarily saying black pride, pride as a race, but the pride and ego that we have as black people on an individual level. So one thing he, you know, one of the parts of our conversation that stuck out the most was just saying, uh, you know, the pride of not asking. And I had that issue as well. I just didn't want to ask. I didn't want to feel like a burden. I didn't want to feel like um, I needed anything. No, in, in most most cases, we had to get it out the mud, figure it out. And accent wasn't a, necessarily the most comfortable in the figuring out process. And he was telling me about times that he cried, like he'll go in the opposite room and cry because of he didn't know how us as kids would take him crying. And I'm an adult now with more knowledge. So, of course, it's easier for me to say, oh, it'll be OK, but I don't know how a five-year-old to a 12-year-old me would have thought about my father crying in front of me. So, hey, he may have some, some points in that. I'm deprived of just asking. And most of the things that, you know, we got, he just had to do. And I grew up pretty poor but I didn't grow up without I still don't know how my mom and dad was able to accomplish some of the things that they accomplished and as a kid I didn't know it was really as bad as it was um I knew we had food it wasn't the best food wasn't what I wanted to eat but hey we ate (laughs) and one particular event Um, that we chatted about was when my granddad used to pop up. uh, It was a Thanksgiving, and he popped up with a box of food that was already cooked, so they just had to heat it up. And this particular day, my my mom and dad didn't know what we were going to eat for the holidays. So they just waited and was there. And apparently... My mom probably, you know, she had to speak with my grandfather and he made it happen and she set up everything as if it was cooked there. And as kids, we didn't know. We were just happy. And again, food was there. (laughs) We knew the difference between holiday food and regular food. So it became an expectation that on holidays that there would be a difference. (laughs) Like we wouldn't have to eat noodles and hamburger helper and things of that nature. There'd be a difference. And for them to make that happen with the help of my grandfather, it was incredible. And again, black pride. My dad wouldn't have the pride to, you know, his pride wouldn't allow him to ask my grandfather uh, for that. But he was happy that when it came, right, he, he enjoyed that moment. You know, some people love gifts and don't even know it. You just can't ask them what they want. Sometimes you just got to give it. 
So that that was a uh, that was beautiful, man. That was beautiful, man. We talked for like three hours. Now that I think about it, about so many different things, about me and high school basketball, me and my upbringing, um, our relationship, and and how we was able to foster that. How him and my mom met. How you know, growing up in a little town. Going to Warren Elementary on Sundays to play basketball <laughs> and being like, we was like eight, nine years old. Like we was young playing with, with teenagers in it. And when we became teenagers, we was playing with the grown folks. So like that was really a thing. Like I was 12, 13 years old playing with guys that's 21 and, and 22. And I think it's safe to say that's where my dog came in at. Um, that's where my confidence, my attitude, that's where all that came from. When you're playing grown men from the street and street basketball, it just does something to you, right? So when you're playing your peers, all this stuff is it's a breeze. During my visit in St. Louis, I also met up with uh, my bro, my biological big brother and this is the first and only time that we ever hung out together i believe he's turning i just turned 30 so i believe he's turning 32 this year if he's not already 32 and i can count on my hands how many times we actually spent time together and he showed up for a lot of great moments in my life from the talent show when I was in high school, my high school graduation, my college graduation. Like, he was always there. He always popped up. I believe he probably went to one of my basketball games. Um, so, so that was great for us to really sit down and talk. And I was able to learn a lot. So although I look at him like a county, county dude, most of our upbringing was pretty much the same. The only difference is our involvement in the streets. And how far I never got too deep in, as you can see, that I was able to get out. Um, but I'm quite sure I was deeper than he was as you know, we figured out in the conversation. And that was crazy how some of our stories align, how some of our perspectives align, how some of our perspectives align about our biological father. Um, it's, 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 it's wild. Like, it's like. We have gone this long and and still have shared experiences. And with my big brother, like, regardless of the amount of times we interacted, anytime we were together, it was always a brotherly relationship. Like, you and if you see us together tomorrow, you will never know that, hey, this was our sixth time being around each other. Because of the vibes, because of the energy. Because it's just happy about being around each other. And that's always been a thing, even when I was younger. And um, and this year, I really wanted to invest in it. I wanted to see my nephews more than I wanted to see him. But it's all right. <laughs> there will be more opportunities. This is just the beginning of us connecting and building that bond. Uh, we are adults now, so we have to can't blame our parents for us not investing the time to be around each other to communicate with each other, to support each other. And although he has a family, his 
lifestyle looks completely different than mine right now, uh, we can still make it work. I want to be involved as much as I can uh, f- you know, for my, my nephews than, than anything. And it's never too late. That's the biggest thing that we got out of our, con- you know, our connecting is that it's never too late. And I'm looking forward to see where the rest of our life will go. And knowing that, again, our relationship was with butchered, in a sense, because of the pride of our parents. That we had nothing to do with it. We were, we were kids in the middle of some adult decisions <laughs> and mistakes and, and problem-solving abilities that all led from pride. A lot of this stuff could have been dealt with years ago if pride and egos wasn't in a way. One of the things that stuck out to me the most, and I I never knew this happened, um, but I can see it happening. He he shared a story with me with my mom did like one of the most evilest things to a kid. Um, so apparently, you know, I ran upstairs, and I can see myself doing this. I ran upstairs to my mom, I was younger, and I was like, hey, my big brother out here, my big brother out here. And my mom, being a person that she was very impulsive, however she feel within that moment, she was not um, going to hold back. And she said, that ain't your motherfucking brother, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And he told me that hurt his feelings. I never knew this part of the story. I never, I, I don't even recall this. Uh, but I can see it happening. And I I see the day. I remember I remember moments of this, but I didn't remember the response and the aftermath of that. So he grew up afraid and mad and bitter and angry at my mom based off her bitterness towards my dad and his mom that made her say the things that she said. And then years as I got older, when I was in high school, she said, and then he said he pulled, she pulled him to the side and apologized uh, for that moment, which is still like that. So they were able to remember that for years. That probably was a 10-year gap um, between that initial moment. And that was, he said that was the first time he met my mom. And then as we grow up, get older, and then go into that second moment. Because the second moment, I, I didn't know about the apology. But I knew my mom loved my big brother. And she always called him son. And she was just so happy when he used to come over. Uh, this, around this time, I stayed around the corner from uh, my biological dad. And he used to always just pop up. And things like that. And she used to be excited. So that's, I thought everything was cool and been cool. So I'm glad that he was able to share that with me because it all just, just shows the growth in my mom. Like she was, she was slow in some of the parts, but she was doing a great job of just growing, accepting, and being more loving, kind, and graceful uh, to herself. And that allowed her to be those things to others. She was always forgiving and, and trying to help and support people as, as best as she can. But to see her grow and blossom, uh, to, to see her at my, at my grandmother's funeral, it, it showed that growth. To see and hear about the conversation she was having with my auntie, um, it, it showed that, <clears throat> uh, my bad, y'all. It showed that she was really you know, 
finding a means of happiness. And and two weeks after that, it was, I guess she found what she needed um, and, and got the closure that she needed to, to, to leave this earth in, in peace. So I was, I was happy that he shared that because it just added to the legend of my mom and uh, the constant battle and just seeing growth. My mom was one of the most prideful people in the world. Um, so it, it, it meant a lot. And another, you know, a big major triggering moment. Uh, some, some years ago, I looked at this Netflix series and it was about the biggest scams in America. And one of them was actually in Kansas City, Missouri. So I wanted to reach out. I knew my grandmother had a lot of little loans and things going around. And I wanted to reach out to her and figure out what exactly, like how, how long and how much do you owe on these loans? But I never really had the, the tools to have the conversation. Again, my grandmother's prideful as well. So she, she has to go figure it out. Like she's not going to, if she asks me for something, I know it's like a last resort type of thing. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I really didn't ask her. So we're in the process of, of finding out how to, you know, how to sell and get her in a bigger house so she can, you know, how to sell her current house so she can purchase a newer house. And, um, and just live, you know, however long that she may have on this, on this earth just live it differently live it in a place where she doesn't have to to continue to work on things continue to build things that it's just already there all she had to do is wake up and enjoy her her house so that's the the space that we in now and because of that i had access to her email <laughs> so in the beginning of the month she paid off a loan and i received a receipt uh, through the email and i looked at it being nosy and I noticed that she was paying $350 for a loan and only 24 of that and some change was going towards the principal. I have no idea how long she's been doing this, but I instantly got angry, got sad, and I believe most of that just came from my pride because I was able to grow and learn this knowledge, but I wasn't able to help my grandmother out. And at the time, now that I think about it, I didn't even have the resources to help her out. I didn't even have the knowledge at the time when I was reading this. I mean, looking at this Netflix series about the, the biggest scams because I was learning. Last year, I learned a lot when I was getting myself out of debt, when I was able to pay off this $16,000 in credit card debt and and those things, that's, that's when I learned. So now I have those skill sets as well as um, the access to capital to help my grandmother out. I'm in a better position now. But when I first seen that, so many thoughts went through my brain. And she said she had initially started off at 10000 And that was five years ago. So for it to still be around 8000 that means she's been paying $25 on a principal for for about five years now, and it only went down two thousand. So she spent three hundred dollars a month, three you know three twenty five a month, 
for the last five years, she pretty much like she she paid enough in interest to at least get half of that loan taken care of. But because they was only allowing her to pay twenty five dollars on a principal, it didn't do anything. Uh, so of course, my pride um, allowed me to get angry, and my love for my grandmother is what made me sad. So I had this easy motions. It's figuring out how do I channel this. Do I call these people and just curse them out? Or do I call my grandmother and just try to figure out a way to resolve this? And after I calmed down, I called my granny, got some information um, that I needed, uh, figured out a plan. So now what we're going to do is I'm going to consolidate all of her loans and put them and do a a, a balance transfer uh, to my credit card that has way more than enough to to hold those things. And the beautiful thing is that it would be no interest for, I believe it was 18 months. So we have 18 months to pay this down as fast as we can. And I think a total was like 12,000. Again, I was able to, to pay off 16,000. So I know with more income, more support, you know, helping my granny out that we can accomplish this together before August 2022 to pay that off and that's going to reduce the the headache of these interests these interest rates that was like through the roof and just seeing how these loan companies in in, in the hood prey on people they say hey we'll give you this much and then the interest be all the way a number that's I I couldn't even imagine. I I wasn't even paying that much on interest for $16,000. Like that is crazy. I I I can't believe it. But I'm glad we was able to find it out sooner or later. Again, this will be able to help her in the process of purchasing a new home because when she when that debt is cleared, it's going to increase her credit score. And then I'm going to get our credit report and figure out some other things that we can possibly repair. So when we get back on the market to purchase a home, our credit score will be high. My grandmother's still working. Oh, wow. Uh, that's superwoman. Again, Black Pride. She's going to continue to work until she can't work no more. And they're not going to fire her. It, it shows. They love the little old lady <laughs> that she is, and they love taking care of her. You know, she she always figured out a way to, to figure things out, and that's one thing I love about my grandmother, and one thing that I'm, I'm happy that she instilled in me in all these years of just figuring out getting it done. My granny know that if she ain't got it, she always have me that she can call to, and I know that if I ain't got it, nine times ten I can call my granny. And she's going to get it done. But both of us are too prideful to just use that just because we want to. We all that's that's the lifeline that we use for a very last result resort. And most most of the time we're gonna say yeah and just get it done. So I love my granny. I love the pride that we have internally, but figuring out now, let's take it to a next level. 
How can we use that pride that we have as individuals in the black community to, to, to conduct positive change for ourselves first, but then also bring that back to our community? We can't be too prideful for all the negative things and all the negative results and outcomes, but not prideful enough to push each other and ourselves to the more positive outcomes. The simple things of, if you clean out, if, if, if I'm so prideful that I don't want my yard to be dirty and messed up and I clean out my yard and I have 10 neighbors that have that same pride, guess what? The pride for the entire community would change. Because when I'm running, when I'm walking, and I see trash in your yard, I'm going to pick it up and throw it in the can. Like I'd do it if it was my own, because I know that normally this yard doesn't look like this. <laughs> I'm able to say hi to my neighbors. Because I'll say hi to my grandmother when I'm walking up to the neighborhood. When I see someone doing wrong, I take their pride to just speak up and let them know, man, you ain't got to do that, man. What you doing that for? If it's money, man, what, what you trying to get? Using that pride and directing that energy to something that's, that's bigger than us, but having comfort and confidence in doing so, because everyone don't think the same. Everyone's lifestyle isn't the same. Everyone's black pride isn't directed in the same space. We have Dr. Umari and, and Kevin Samuels at a battle. And, and both of them, then Dr. Umar, he, he's all about black nationalists and black pride. But we have two men arguing about the importance of black relationships, but just have a different you know, point of view on it. But at the end of the day, both of them want to see stronger black relationship, black couples, black marriages in order to push the black community to, a ne to the next level. But just have two different, two different messages, two different messengers. But I think we're going to figure it out. Thank you all for tuning in. Nothing but love, nothing but peace, nothing but blessings, nothing but gracious, nothing but kindness upon your life and to the lives around y'all. Bless up. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Join me in my journey to success by following on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Veils World Podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns you would like to address, or you just want to sponsor or feature on an upcoming episode, email me at veilsworldpodcast at ldmonger.com. Veils World can be heard on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, share, leave a review or a voice message, and more importantly, support. For as little as 99 cents a month, we can take this thing a long way. Love. It's the team.